I'll begin by reading verses 16 through 21, if you'll follow along with me. Jesus is speaking and he says, No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again we come to you in the name of Jesus and ask for the help of the Holy Spirit who inspired Scripture to help us understand it. We are in need of guidance. We are in need of wisdom. We look to you for help. We've come together this morning to worship and praise and glorify Jesus our Lord, but also to benefit from the teaching of your word. So help us now, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, here's another passage of Scripture that's somewhat enigmatic. It's not entirely clear what Jesus is getting at. I mean, on the surface, it's simple enough. You don't light a candle and then cover it up. But what does it mean? What's his point? Well, to understand, we have to go back to the fuller context. We have to go back to the previous passage where we were last week when Philip preached to us from the parable of the soils. And so we're going to have to go back and take account of that passage because what we read today builds on that. And last week, that was the parable of the soils. Jesus told the great crowd, it was a great crowd that had gathered together at that time, and he told a great crowd that had come together from every town this little story, this quaint story. A sower went out to sow his seed, and there were four different kinds of soil. The trodden down path, where the seeds were gobbled up by birds, and then there was the rocky soil where the seed withered because it couldn't really take root. And then the thorny soil which choked the seeds. And finally the good soil that bore fruit a hundredfold. And then Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. End of story. That's it. That's it. That's profound. That's all he said. That's vague. But I love what Philip said last week. He said, when a good teacher is vague, it's usually on purpose. And Jesus is a good teacher, none better. So what does it mean? What does it mean? Do you want to know? Do you really want to know 
what it means. Because to ask that question, to ask what it means, is to take the first step towards something we call discipleship. And that's what this is really all about. And so in Luke chapter 8 and verse 9, his disciples asked him, what might this parable mean? Who asked him? His disciples. To ask what it means is to be a potential disciple of Jesus. I say potential because being a disciple requires more than just having an inquiring mind. It requires a radical commitment to following Jesus Christ wherever he may lead. But it begins here, it begins with asking. And when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, to you it is given to know the mysteries or the secrets of the kingdom of God. The parables are given to all, but explanations are only given to disciples. So, do you want to know what it means? Of course you do. That's why you're here today. Although that may not be true of everyone. I can imagine there are some teenagers here that are here just because their parents insist they come, and you're just coming because of that. And then there's probably the husband or the wife who's coming because your spouse wants you to come and you want to please your spouse so, so you're here and you may or may not be interested. And then there are always those who are coming and checking it out to see what's this all about, this Christianity thing. And all of you are very, very welcome to be, we're glad that you're here. Uh, we were all in that seat at one time. So I'm not assuming that everyone here is dying to know what exactly Jesus means, but whoever you may be, we're glad you're here. And this is one way to tell whether or not you are a disciple. If you're a disciple, you really want to know what Jesus means when he teaches because you're interested in following him. That's a big deal for you. You're not satisfied with just hearing a story. You want to know more. Jesus' disciples receive Jesus' teaching. They're eager to hear it, and they're responsive to it. They're humble. They're teachable. They're coachable. They want to learn. They want to understand. And there are different levels of understanding, but this is true of all disciples. They have a desire to know. So what's the point of the parable? And the point of the parable is simply this. Our response to Jesus' teaching matters. Our response to Jesus' teaching really matters. It's not too much to say that your response to Jesus' teaching will determine your eternal destiny, whether heaven or hell. And that's important. So here again, Jesus' explanation to his disciples. And he says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, 
and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So the different soils represent different kinds of hearts. There are hard hearts that resist the truth, and then there are shallow hearts that are unfaithful and turn back when the going gets tough. And then there are distracted hearts. They may mean well, but pleasures and riches fill up their lives until it's too late. All of these hearts are unfruitful. And it's normal for Christians to read this and say, oh yeah, they're all the unsaved and then I have the good heart that's bearing fruit. But you know, as Philip pointed out last week, this is a diagnostic for all of us because all of these different kinds of soil can affect our hearts. So look at yourself, test yourself. But the final kind of soil is a heart that's honest and good and that bears fruit with patience. The heart then is revealed by its response to Jesus' teaching. Which kind of heart are you? How do you respond to Jesus' teaching? Jesus' teaching is the seed. And the seed, he tells us, is the word of God. And in the passage before us this morning, the same theme is developed a little bit further. This time it's not a parable, but it's a proverb, a short saying. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. So what is the light? Well, like the seed, it's a metaphorical reference to Jesus' teaching. In the parable of the soils, the seed is Jesus' teaching, but here the light is Jesus' teaching. Or we could say it is the Word of God, or we could say it's the message of Jesus, which is the same thing as saying it's the message of the kingdom of God, which is the message of the gospel, which is all ultimately Jesus himself, so it's not incorrect to say as Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here in Luke, Jesus is telling us that this light should not be concealed under a jar or under a bed because the purpose of the light, the purpose of the lamp that gives light, so everybody can see. It's not to conceal, but it is to reveal. As it says in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It's a dark and scary world out there. It's easy to lose your way. It's easy to stumble in the dark. But if you have the light 
of Jesus' words. You can find your way through it. And this light of Jesus is not to be hidden. Now, in a secondary way, when we hear Jesus' words and when we respond to his teaching, we become enlightened and our pathway becomes illuminated and we can see where we're going and we can even help others to see the light and to follow the light so that in a secondary way, we become light ourselves. So Jesus says in another place related to this, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine as to glorify your Father who is in heaven. So, hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it up? No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, <laughs> let it shine. We could sing that song. But here in Luke 8, the reference is not to us letting our light shine. The focus here, again, is Jesus' words. The light is Jesus' teaching to which we must respond. It's very simple, but it is very profound. And then Jesus goes on to give a reason. He says in verse 17, for, because, since, Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. That's another proverbial saying that's used in a number of different ways in Scripture, but here Jesus is making it clear that his teaching, his light, it's not to be hidden, and it won't be hidden, it will be made manifest. It's not to be secret. It will be known and come to light. Jesus' teaching is the light. It is to be proclaimed. It is to be made manifest. It is to be made known. It will become known. It will come to light. It will be revealed and it will ultimately prevail. So Jesus says in another place, heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will not pass away. Like a lamp on a lampstand gives light, Jesus' teaching will be proclaimed so that all can see, so that all can hear the truth, and all can respond. Truth, when it is proclaimed, makes clear what is really true. And one day it will become completely clear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What is now revealed in parables and proverbs and is hidden in a certain way except for those who are disciples, then they are initiated and those mysteries are then in the process of being revealed to them. We're not dummies, regardless of what the world might think. We are in the process of having revealed to us the secrets of the kingdom of God. What is revealed in Scripture, God's truth, the truth, ultimate reality, will one day fully and completely be clear and will ultimately prevail. And right now, the truth and your response to it is what marks you out as a disciple of Jesus Christ and will be what ultimately determines your eternal destiny. It will be all that matters. So Jesus then attaches a warning to all this. He says in the next verse, take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. 
And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Take care then how you hear. It's actually very interesting. In the Greek, the word is see how you hear. See how you hear. Take heed. Be careful. See how you hear. Why? Because the one who has is going to get more. One who has. The one who has what? Well, if we look back to the parable of the sower and what we just read today, has what? Has knowledge of the mysteries or the secrets of the kingdom of God. Has understanding. The one who has saving faith. That's the one who has true riches instead of the false riches of this world. It's the one who has fruit, spiritual fruit. Or we could say the one who has, has what? Spiritual riches, good stuff. You'll have this and even more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he seems to have will be taken away. And all of this comes from listening to the words of Jesus, listening and responding to the words of Jesus. We can be confident that when we're listening to the words of Jesus, we are listening to truth, ultimate truth, prevailing truth, true truth. In a world where you can't be sure whether you're hearing truth or not. Now, let me just expand on this for a moment. The words of Jesus, by that, we're talking to about all the words of Scripture. Because Jesus considered Holy Scripture, Old and New Testament, to be the Word of God. So ultimately, we're talking about the Bible What's your attitude toward the Bible, I'm sometimes asked. My attitude toward the Bible is the same as Jesus' attitude toward the Bible. And his attitude was that it is inspired, it is inerrant, it is authoritative, the Word of God cannot be broken. So I believe about the Bible what Jesus believed about it. And when you do that, you're always safe. You're in good company when you're with Jesus. So don't be ashamed of believing the Bible. Jesus believed the Bible. And that leads us to, I think, a very important contemporary question. What words are you listening to? There is a lot of competition out there for our attention. There are devices that have become commonplace. And they're crying out for us to listen to them. There's a notification right now. I think I'll ignore it. Phones and tablets and computers are devices that are competing for our attention. They're ubiquitous. They're everywhere. And they have these things called algorithms. Algorithms. Those mysterious beings that live inside your phone. They are designed to keep you clicking, clicking on what makes you feel good. Very clever, these algorithms. 
They want to keep your eyeballs on that screen. And they know how to do that because they know you. They know your politics. They know your hobbies. They know your clothing choices. Although in my case, I guess the name Robin throws them for a loop because sometimes I get advertisements for women's clothing. I don't understand. So algorithms are not all that smart, but they are subtle. Okay. They know what amuses you. I clicked one time on a spider having a fight with some ants. Would you believe how many battles are out there between spiders and ants? All of a sudden, I got more than I knew could possibly. That's amazing. They know what amuses you, and they compete for your time, for your attention. They want your heart. Actually, what they want is your money. But they're competing voices that are coming from devices guided by algorithms. They're competing for your time and attention. Take heed. They'll hurt you, then desert you. They'll take your soul if you let them, but don't you let them. I know I'm dating myself there, but the point is this. You've got to be careful how you hear. Jesus' teaching is light, words of spirit and words of life. You have to take care how you respond to the truth that Jesus brings. I have a little bit more to say about that at the end, but Jesus is pressing the point when he says this, and then Luke follows it up with a closing vignette. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Please note those last words. Those who hear the word of God and do it. Hearing and doing. We've come across that before in the Gospel of Luke. It's another indication of what makes a disciple. Now when we read this, when you first read it, it doesn't it seem cold and rude? It does to me, doesn't it to you? Doesn't it? Seems cold and rude. I mean, this is Mary, blessed among all women. Jesus, isn't family important? Well, yes, it is. But hearing and doing the word of God is even more important. Now, God's word commands us to honor father and mother, so it's impossible that Jesus would dishonor his mother. And the passage does not say that he refused to meet with them. It doesn't say a negative thing about Mary or about his brothers. What it says is that Jesus identifies primarily with those who hear and do the word of God. So a rhetorical point is being powerfully made. Hearing and responding to the Word of God. Hearing and doing Jesus' teaching. Hearing and doing, that is responding to the light that shines in darkness, to the seed that is sown. Ultimately, that's what will prevail. That is the main point of what we've read in Luke 8 so far. It's the good and the honest heart that places Jesus and his teaching 
above all else. That is what will ultimately bear fruit. That will characterize the person who understands the secrets of the kingdom of God, who really understands what's going on in the world and in life. She is the one who will believe and be saved. She is the one who will understand the mysteries. He is the one who will have spiritual treasure unto eternal life. And to that person, that person who has, even more will be given. Such is the one who hears and responds to Jesus. May this be true of us all. So a closing exhortation that I've given before and will give again. This is the word of God written. This is the teaching of Jesus. How much time do you spend in this as opposed to this? I think we all could do better. I know I could. So my friends, read your Bible. And when I say read, hearing is fine. That's okay. Not everybody can read, but most of you can read. Having God's Word written and actually looking at the Word and gaining knowledge from it is what will eventually stick with you and help you as you walk through this difficult and dark world. Right now, institutions that we used to think we could depend on for truth, we have real questions about. Are we really hearing truth? Or does that institution have an agenda? And am I aware of it? The entertainment that we expose ourselves to. Who are the writers and the producers? And do they have an agenda? Are they promoting a point of view that is antithetical to the Word of God? Well, if you don't know the Word of God, you have no basis upon which to evaluate what you're hearing. Entertainment, news, educational institutions, we all have questions about these things. It's probably a good thing to be basically skeptical, but it's even a better thing to have a base knowledge of truth. It's not going to happen unless we read this word and unless we think about it and accumulate something called the knowledge of God through the knowledge of his word. And as C.S. Lewis said, the only people who accomplish or achieve anything are those who desire knowledge so badly that they seek it when the conditions are unfavorable favorable conditions never come. So if you're too busy to read this, you're too busy. Your priorities are out of whack and you need to make some changes. So my friends, read your Bibles. Read them today. Read them every day. By all means, read those portions that are precious to you and that comfort your soul but read those places that are unfamiliar to you. Start at the beginning and read it through to the end. And when you get to the end, go back to the beginning and read through it again. And do it again and again until you're a little old person like me. And then you'll look back and you'll say, that was time well 
spent. So here's your grandfather giving you a little advice, just like your parents that tell you that you should brush your teeth and that sometimes tell you to do things you don't want to do and eat food you don't want to eat. This is what parents do. The kids would say, but I don't like it. And I'd say, I've got good news for you. You don't have to like it. You just have to eat it. But this is boring compared to this. Oh, that's okay. You know, if you eat what you want to eat as a kid, you'll have cotton candy for every meal. And then, a few years later, your teeth will fall out. I don't want that to happen to you. So, read your Bible. It's not boring. There's something wrong with you. The more you read it, the more you'll treasure it, the more you'll be listening to the words of Jesus and there will be a light in your life and it will guide your pathway so that you can avoid the pitfalls of life. Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the light of the world and that he has given us words of spirit and words of life and that these words have been written down in Scripture and preserved for us through the ages. Father, I pray for my hearers today that they would reprioritize their lives in such a way that the reading, the attending, the listening to your word, words of Scripture, have the primary place in their life. After all, you said man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, let this be true of us as your children. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.